I put on my best hoodie for it. <laughs> yeah, I put on my best uh, Captain America T-shirt for it. <laughs> right. uh, I decided to attend as a cosplayer. Um, a and bad so, one at that. So I'm sorry. Like a T-shirt doesn't cut it. I had the the skin color wrong. I know. What can I tell you? <laughs> so in the chat, I put on my best hoodie for it. Aaron Ruiz. Before we even went live, said. I don't know who's in here, but I better hear pure, unadulterated truth coming out today. And you're going to get that. You're going to get that as we as we get into the conversation about the Hellfire Gala. I feel I feel like we got the two truth tellers here. Yeah. Yeah, there won't be any sugarcoating today. So Hellfire Gala number one by Jerry Duggan, Adam Kubert, Luciano, Luciano Vecchio. Matteo Lali, Russell Dodderman, Javier Pina, R.B. Silva, Joshua Casara, Chris Anka, and Pepe Larraz. That is a, a crazy list of artists. That's pretty much all the relevant artists in the Krakoan era. Um, and then you have Colors by Rain Barreto, uh, C.C. De La Cruz, Matthew Wilson, Eric Arsenega, and Marta Gracia with letters by Virtual Calligraphy. This is one hell of a comic book in terms of length, in terms of um, what happens. I have a lot to say, and I think I want to start with the fact that I don't understand this era of X-Men anymore. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any idea what happened? Yes. Okay, great. You so, can explain it to me. Because similar to the last time they gave me one of these fucking Infinity comics, I get lost. You're showing me the, the panel, and I get lost in the in the detail. Well, uh, and, and hello to everybody that is joining us live. Um, I think we got a new person, Dead Rising. What's up? Oh, what's up, Dead Rising? Welcome. Um, so, this is, of course, the annual Hellfire Gala. Everybody dresses in their uh, dresses to the nines. Uh, Jumbo Carnation designs everybody's um, everybody's uh, 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 costumes, and you know they have a blast. They wrote on the new X team and everything like that. It's supposed to be a, a very fun event. Um, right away, it felt very different to me. I felt like the dialogue just wasn't crisp, like almost immediately. And I was like, okay. And then they went into the Kamala Khan thing. They bring her back. And first of all, I, I'm i assuming this these are the Kubert bits. And if I'm wrong, then I apologize. But the way that the credits are laid out, oh. he is up first. Um, Actually, now that you say that, I think you're right. I didn't catch that. This is... I'm I'm very surprised by this. Not good, Cubert. Like if you look at it's... the Cyclops, uh, I don't know if you guys can see that, but um, Cyclops just look at his hair, look at his yeah. body layout. Like it just doesn't look right, unfortunately. Um, I I didn't I didn't understand that. Um, and then the the whole Kamala thing. You know, they immediately try to assuage our fears about whether or not they're erasing her inhuman side like there are that many people who are sitting around going oh my god 
I I'm so scared that they're gonna uh oh whoops I just moved that I'm so scared that they're gonna you know ruin her her history as an inhuman as if we don't all already know that she wasn't ever supposed to be one in the first place I couldn't give a shit about her being an inhuman quite frankly well and the wild part is that they're gonna make them work together like for what where are the inhumans they're gone you tell me they're coming back like what black bolt's gonna come demand kamala khan come hang out on adelaine or whatever like black bolt doesn't give a shit <laughs> neither do i um i i'm that that whole bit just felt cheap and i don't know i, I don't know I'm fine with her resurrection. I've said it already multiple times, but the well, way that it's going to happen. Yeah. The way that it was handled here just felt off to me. Um, just felt really, really off the X vote. I'm so tired of this and please, 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 please. No one try to justify to me today. Juggernaut's inclusion. Please. It's it don't make shit. a lick of sense. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. No, this team, this team has no heat. None. Jubilee and Dazzler. Look, I like Dazzler. I'm a Dazzler fan. Why? Why? Why do we have both? They have the <laughs> same power set. Are you kidding me right now? I I, I agree with uh, CW Gordon. I don't think that the actual team is going to happen. I think that was just like Jerry Duggan being cute because he knew that they wouldn't um, make it, but because like all this stuff was gonna go down. But Juggernaut in particular shouldn't be in this book. He's not a mutant. What are we doing here? Am I crazy? Am I wrong? Did something happen? I know people say Juggernaut is X fam now. I get that, but he's not a mutant. He has nothing to do with this. Please help me. Is he? Is he still? Xavier's brother? He's Xavier's half-brother. Or stepbrother, rather. That's a thing. Something line. something like that. But yeah, he's not he's not a mutant. He's empowered by the Sidorak gem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In his helmet or whatever, right? Um I, yeah, yeah, I think I think it's in his helmet. But um yeah, he's empowered by the gem. So like that's where his powers come from. So um nonsense. <sighs> I, I had a lot of trouble with this issue. I'm going to get right into it. I'm just going to get right into what what bothered me so much. Let's do it. This felt like the most cog-turning issue of a comic I think I have ever read. The X-Men came across really, really bad. Really dumb. So, Orcus invades. And Nimrod is like this bullet that crashes into Krakoa. And then from there, you've got Mother Righteous involved. You've got, uh, 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 what's the fake sinister? The um, Stasis. Stasis. Dr. Stasis, Stasis involved. Yeah. Modoc involved. You know, Moira X. They're all there. For, for all this time, it's been so difficult. It's been impossible to infiltrate Krakoa. But today, on the day when you would think that people would try something, no one is watching the Watchtower. Yeah. No one is, no one is paying any attention to anything. And not to mention that, not not only that, they also, Orcus did, managed to poison the the medication 
that the mutants have been giving to humans. <clears throat> am, am I missing something by not reading the other books? Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Jerry Does that Duggins. happen in X Men? Okay. All but right. but like but not all of the pieces that are being set up here um, are are in place in other places. If that okay. makes sense. Some yeah. of this stuff was new to me as well. Okay. But what what bothers me is that we're supposed to believe that this is the most precious place for mutant kind on Earth or anywhere else. And no one was was aware that all these things were happening behind the scenes. All the telepaths, the most powerful telepaths on Earth are mutants. They had yep. no idea. Yep. Yeah, this one this one was hosted by the five in one or whatever. Yeah. Aren't are they the the cuckoos? Uh yeah, yeah, I believe so. So yeah. Five five psychics trained by one of the most powerful in the world. Nobody saw this coming. Nobody's working security. No. And they've made such a stink. The other Hellfire Galas about how how secure everything is. And don't worry when both times something has gone down. Yeah. The X-Men look like fools. Now, I will say this. I liked a lot the fight between Iceman and Nimrod. Iceman got some respect put on That's his cool. name. I liked that. That was wow. sick. But he got absolutely melted. <laughs> He's ice. And and I felt bad. Like, that's one thing that uh, I don't think this era of mutant dumb has lost necessarily. The feeling of, of um, emotion, you know, when, when we see these characters die. When when Bobby's dying, he you know, uh, you've got this really gruesome panel there um, mm. where he's just melting and he's going, I can't cool. see. Gene, Scott, Warren, where are you? I'm sorry. I really felt that. Um, that was great. Yeah, that was cool. But like... Nimrod's dialogue, for example, it don't feel like the Nimrod that Jonathan Hickman was giving. It doesn't even feel like the Nimrod Gillen's giving. Yeah. And so that was frustrating. Um, You know, too much juggernaut, like I said. And everybody just waltzing in. It's so easy to get into Krakoa. Everybody, Dr. Stasis, Mother Righteous, dancing into through the, through the portal. This is not, this doesn't, ring true to me and i know how i'm coming across i know i'm it sounds like i'm just ranting and i'm that's not my intention but i i truly feel like they've lost the plot i like where this issue ends up i like that the x-men end up flat on their ass because of the fact that orcus figured out the mutant's biggest weakness it's not them physically anymore that to me was smart we can't kill you we can't stop you, so if you don't leave Earth, we'll kill every human we can. Every human dies so long as there are mutants left on Earth. That's a great threat. Yeah. Yeah. But 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 mixing the physicality in the way that they did and making the X-Men look like chumps against Orcus, I can't I don't buy it. Diet aim. I yeah, I don't I don't buy it. There's just no way. Yeah. Very frustrating to me. Um you know, and then nowadays whenever Moira X gets on a on a page it's just painful to me. Man. 
she's it, like the downgrade she has gone through. Somebody compared her in the Discord to the Batman who laughs, and it just like it's like that's it. That's all she is now. She's a joke. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Jean Grey, my favorite Marvel character, my favorite comic book character. Dying to Moira X, getting stabbed by Moira X because she's distracted. She She's labeled here as the number one Omega mutant by Nimrod. And Moira's got this alleged fake brain that means that Jean can't sense her coming. That's how that works? The book is telling me she's the most powerful mutant of all time. She got stabbed. And where's yeah. Wolverine? Off fighting more Orcus, apparently, somewhere. <laughs> he he pops out after after Gene dies. Maybe he was involved in the melee and I missed him. But like you would think that in a moment like this, which is supposed to feel epic, right? Mutant massacre. It's supposed to feel huge. You want your biggest, most popular players on Front Street. You know? Where are they at? Now we got we got juggernaut. Right. This ain't it to me. It's just not. It's just not. And I and I'm frustrated. Because like I said, I think the concept of the way that this flips mutant kind on its head, they needed to lose. They yeah. had to lose. They've been too up their own ass, too busy dealing with quiet council crap. They needed to lose. But to me, this made them look so stupid and bad. So stupid. And also, for me, it blows off something that I've been waiting a long time to see, which is Nimrod versus the X-Men. Yeah, I wonder what the justification here for Duggan taking this over let me rephrase. Why did Duggan do this instead of Gillen? Gillen, who is supposed to be sort of in charge of this era of the the X Men. Um, I I don't know. I mean, Duggan's writing the main. Duggan's writing X Men. You know, right? Adjectiveless. Yeah. The super team. Right. So uh, I guess in that regard, he's the main writer, um, at least of the like. Uh, like the the mainstream, like this is the blockbuster stuff. Kieran's doing the political stuff. Al Ewing's doing the space stuff. That's how I break it down. Um, and frankly, I don't. I a lot of people dislike Duggan. I don't dislike Duggan, but this was this was a rough script in my opinion. And I I hate to say that. I feel like this was a rough script. It felt like it just went on forever. Yeah. Yeah. Was it oversized? Absolutely, yeah. This book's huge. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, imagine reading it panel by panel. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't sound very good. Um, and so the mutants now have had to leave Earth. Professor Xavier used his powers, which I thought was pretty cool, to force them to leave. Um. And now they've gone through these portals, but the portals were essentially hacked. 
And so we don't even know where they're all going. But that's how we get like Realm of X and some of these different books that are coming out soon. Now, if you look at the solicits, they all make sense because we understand that now mutants are on the run or they're not even on Earth anymore. So, I don't know. Orcus Orcus beat them. The mutants took a huge L. So we're going to be in the Dark Ages for a little bit. I'm not opposed to that. But when you're talking about a, a $9 comic book, and you compare no. this, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and you compare this to the first Hellfire Gala, which was so monumental and so yeah. exciting. You know, when they terraformed Mars, it, it just it felt so good and special. And this just felt like another fight. It felt like another fight with a lot of empty dialogue, not a lot of nuance to be seen or had. I don't know. I'll give it this praise, though. And I saw this going around. I saw a lot of people criticizing this. If you don't feel something when Professor X is on that beach, feeling like everybody's dead, all his, all his, you know, his children are dead, and this panel right here that I know people are memeing, where he's yelling out, crying out. As a fan of the X Men for my entire life since the animated series, seeing him like that, that affected me thinking like it's really over. This is the prophecy. This is what always happens. The mutants always fall. And what a sick twist that now Moira, who helped them get to this point, is responsible. And she's the one who was Professor X's greatest confidant. And she's the biggest fucking turncoat. I thought that was awesome. Um, I'll be honest, that didn't do anything for me. I could see how it was a powerful moment for sure. I can't even scroll through this fucking book to find it. <laughs> Driving me insane. That's that digital stuff, man. I don't like why. Why are they doing this? But we've already we've seen that they're all still alive, right? Yes, he doesn't know that, but yeah. And I would just prefer it if I didn't know that. <laughs> I mean, you would, if you, if you, if you thought you didn't know it, you would definitely know it because every solicit has. Uh, I mean, they literally show you that it's not the case, like right here. Like every yeah, solicit, well. you know, exposes it. Like there's just no. Where do you go? All the mutants are dead. What do you even do? How do you even keep the books going? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I think. I think my experience to that moment i was glad it was done to be sure. honest like i just like i i had such a hard time following what was happening mm. because my you know my read was so uh focused it just like genuinely ruined the experience for me i could understand that yeah so what Kale's talking about is I, you read this as an infinite comic, and so it's sort of like yeah. uh, like just reading it panel by panel. You scroll down instead of the traditional uh, yeah. look at a page, and it's all there, like how I'm holding up right now if you're watching this on YouTube. Um, that is not the way that you know comics designed like this are supposed to be read. And I don't understand why Marvel would force that 
on anyone. It doesn't make any sense. They have the infinite format and they put out books like that that are good, that work for that format because they were designed that way. You can't take a book that wasn't designed that way and then force people to read it like that. That's a great way to turn people off. It's working. <laughs> <laughs> right, if that's the goal. It's just like they're so – it completely removes – Yeah, it completely removes the the time aspect that I put into it. You know, yeah. like it so blows up the gutter space because they force the scroll. Mm. You know, like you say, it's it's just not designed that way. Yeah, does it doesn't make any sense? I like how can you even appreciate it? I sure don't. And, and by the way, there's a lot of wonderful art, I thought, to appreciate in this book. This is a great-looking book. They really brought out um, the best artists that they have available in the X line to do this. And there are some real standout pieces, um, particularly towards the end, like I, like I called out. I really got a lot out of the Professor Xavier moment. I just thought it was well-drawn. Um, I don't really like when they do like so many artists in one book just because it's hard to keep track of who's who. Um, especially yeah. because the X line was curated to be sort of similar looking. Yeah. A lot of these artists have styles that, uh, you know, look alike, which makes for a seamless read, but it makes it hard to say like who's responsible for what. But like this mm -hmm. panel of Wolverine right here. Uh, I really like this, you know, this page where he's like in all the panels. I thought that yeah. that was really cool, and I like that. Um, Modok just looking absolutely crazy every time he's on the page. If you look at that, he's just absolutely maniacal. Mm. I like that. Um, overall, I just didn't get a lot out of this. Uh, God, look, look at that. Hold up that Wolverine page again. Oh yeah, we got it. One second. Yeah, here we are. Yeah, look at what you're dealing with versus what I'm dealing with. Whoa, that's not even the same page. That's not the what? same thing. What the hell? That they, they what back? Where would they get that background from? That's that's the background. That's what I'm. That's what I'm dealing with here. Wow. What? Like I. So I. I don't know if you put it in. I sent you some. Panels oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I have them. Yep. That. They don't even feel finished. Yeah, I've got the Cyclops one up now. The, yeah, those came from uh, the very beginning. Um, oh, I don't even know if the listener could see all that. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. that uh, This Cyclops one is not... That's not cropped. That's exactly what I was looking at. Wow. It, like, it, it looks like an unfinished piece of art like what unbelievable unbelievable um i'm gonna say pass if you listen to our review you know what happened you don't need to spend nine dollars because the whole comic book is a fight and you got the essential information from hearing us talk about it honestly and i never Never, never, never like to make that kind of recommendation. But if Marvel's going to say this is worth $9 and this is what they're delivering, I, I, I can't, how can you justify? The art's beautiful. It's great art. But Jerry Duggan whiffed. 
to to me. And I'm excited for the next phase, but I'm not happy about how we're getting there. Read the wiki. Yeah. This is one of those this is one of those times. If you want to if you really want to spend that $9 donate to Wikipedia or whatever like Yeah. It is man, I just I could be off the X-Men train real easy after that issue. I'm not because I love I love this shit too much, but this was rough and I wouldn't blame anybody who said, "Yeah, I'm I'm out." Because there are people and I don't know if they're in the chat right now. I don't know if I don't know if uh, there are people in our community that necessarily feel this way, but there are people who are over it altogether, who've been over it. Oh, there you go. Kale's one of I'm them. I'm one of them. So if, if, if that's how you feel, there's nothing in this comic, in my opinion, that's going to change your mind. Not this one. Like, I, I was caught, um, optimistic about not even cautiously optimistic. I'm looking forward to Apocalypse coming back. Yeah. And the stuff, you know, between him and Genesis. But at this point, like the rest of Krakoa and like, I really thought we were going to get some stuff uh, with the reveal of the new quiet council plans. Um, You know how they were going to tell everybody, buddy and then dump the council idea altogether or whatever none of that happens right i'm pumped that the x-men are you know up against the, the entire world again but i mean it's just a day that ends in y right and and i'm i'm i am into that i like the idea of seeing that uh with a little bit of a twist and that the mutants are gone not dead but gone um and so we'll see what their adventures look like elsewhere. Realm of X by Torin Gronbeck looks pretty cool. I'm into that. Um, now it makes sense why Nightcrawler is dressing like Miles Morales. Because he cannot be a mutant mm. visibly. He cannot appear as a mutant. I still think it's garbage that he's wearing that costume. And I'm not happy about it. But at least I there's there's some type of like logic there. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. This just wasn't for me. Uh, uh, Aaron asked, did you think Hickman was taking a little bit of a dump to his X-Men in his God's page? Uh, no, I, I didn't. I didn't feel that way. Uh, I'd, I'd be interested to hear why you might feel that way. Um, I think it was being that character was being cheeky. Yeah. I think that's just that's just his uh, that's his vibe. Uh, C.W. Gordon asks, "Do you know y'all are live on Twitch?" I do know that. Unfortunately, I can't prevent us from going live on Twitch. I don't have the ability to uh, turn that off. Apparently, only Tyler does. So, uh, hello, Twitch. So, so if the YouTube looks just a little funny, Tyler's not here. Like, Sean does a great job with what he knows about, but Tyler, Tyler's got the finesse, you know. Welcome to Pals Pulls. Thank you for joining us. Hopefully you've had fun so far. Kale and I are happy to be here to talk to you guys about six books. This How many? Week. Six. Ah. Another week of six. And, I mean, look, it's a huge week. Lots of superhero comics. Big stuff. 
We're talking about, of course, we just talked about X-Men. We've also got Ultimate Invasion. We're going to be talking about that in just a moment. We've got my favorite comic book on the stands right now, bar freaking none, Amazing Spider-Man number 30, The Avengers number 3, Night Terrors number 2. Now, Kale, can you give it to me? Can you give it to me on this cover? That's a good cover. Yeah. That's a good cover. Yeah. Who is that? Is that Ivan Reese? I, I honestly don't even know. Uh, I think this is just the cover A with like alternate um, colors on it. Like glow and like yeah. black light or glow in the dark. That's yeah, yeah that's a cool cover. It's yeah. pretty damn sick. Um, we're also going to be talking about um, Superman, The Last Days of Lex Luthor, number one, which won the listener poll. Now, I was not able to get a copy of that book, unfortunately, because uh, Midtown Comics, which is my LCS, didn't have it. What they did have was a co- was copies of Red Sonia number one. And I tried to get Red Sonia number one last week. It's by Torin Gronbeck, who's quickly becoming one of my faves. And I love Red Sonia, so I was very excited. And of course, they didn't have it. But lo and behold, a week later, they have them. They had them for $7. Double the price. Now, I didn't buy it. I, I wouldn't do that. But I do have a cousin. Ah, uh, Bean. Good old Bean. Named Bean Sartley, who's got expendable income. And he did buy the $7 Red Sonia number one. So, hopefully he'll let me borrow it, and then I'll let you guys know how it was. Fucking Scrooge McDuckin' over there. For real. If you enjoy this show, there are plenty of ways you can support us. The best way to do that is on Patreon.com slash TheComicsPals where we are always giving you bang for your buck. It's been a great time on Patreon the last uh, few weeks. Lots of you have been joining up. It's been incredible. Thank you so much for that. Kale dropped a newsletter this week. Every week, we drop newsletters. One of us each week. We've got an exclusive show over there called Palling Around that if you are not a member of our Patreon, you've probably never heard. Um... I think it's good. We talk about things that we feel like talking about. We get deeper into our lives, the things that matter to us outside of comics and things like that. Um, it's a good time. Just check the page out. If you like it, if you're into it, then, you know, any amount helps. We appreciate you. If you want to watch this show live, you can do that every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern. Saturdays at 10 a.m. 10.15 a.m. Eastern for the main show. Um, we had to do a truncated episode last week, so this week we're going to be talking all the San Diego Comic-Con stuff that we couldn't get to, plus, you know, the news, the biggest hits of this week. So it should be a fun time, and we should have a full house. So, you know. Who knows? Who knows? News to me. <laughs> you, you never know what the, uh, what the lineup is going to be. I like that. It's kind of, um, you know, it gives you a reason to come, come hang out with us and see who's here. Dynamics always different. Absolutely. Uh, let's, let's hit a couple of comments before we get into the next book. Kale, you be on the lookout if you see any good, good comments. Uh, Top Lane Kingdom says the only good invasion this week in reference to, uh, Ultimate Invasion and Secret Invasions finale. Yep. Which, by all accounts, was not very good. Have you seen it? Have you seen it? I haven't. I haven't gotten to it yet. Um, Are you caught up, up, up to that point? Uh, I'm on episode, I just saw episode four, so I guess I'm two behind. Two behind, yeah. Now, I've been enjoying the show, I'm not gonna lie. 
I, I like yeah. it. So we'll I guess it gets bad, but we'll see. Okay. Um, All right. <laughs> Dan says support it even if you don't enjoy it. Yeah. He said he really liked the last palling around. We got into uh, stuff outside of comics that means uh, something to us. And that's the stuff you expect. Like here we're just talking about comic books. And a little later I'll get to talk a little bit about uh, murder mysteries. But that's all we do here. You want to hear us talk about other stuff, you got to pay us. Hey, you support us, we support you. And by the way, Dan... Dan the Truth Trudeau, you know, he don't lie. So if he's saying that, you can bet your bottom dollar on it. Uh, let's let's jump into Ultimate Invasion number two. This is the Marvel Comics event written by Jonathan Hickman with art by Brian Hitch, inks by Andrew Curry, Alex Sinclair on the colors, and Joe Carabagna, as ever, on the letters. Now... Here's one thing right away that is worth pointing out. Kel, I don't know if you know this. I only learned this after our last review. Um, this universe that the Maker is in is not the Ultimate Universe. This is a universe that he's created or something like that, but it's not the Ultimate Universe. It's not whatever that whatever that's labeled as. And I didn't realize that. I gathered that from this this issue. Yeah. How did you how did you or someone else figure that out? Um the first one. I, I I was reading, you know, Scuttlebutt online and someone pointed it out and then I went and looked at the issue again and I noticed that at the end the numbering is not the ultimate universe's numbering. I don't remember what the number is for that, but it's not six one six oh. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Great. So now this issue introduces us to this new world mm-hmm. and in a very like DC rebirth, Dr. Manhattan kind of way, we see how the maker has, you know, altered events, moved things just so, and how his machinations have led to a very different world that isn't populated by the heroes that we know and love, not in the same way. Like it's got mm-hmm. Thor, but this Thor is subservient to a Loki who is in charge of Asgard. Obadiah Stane is black. Obadiah Stane, black dude, who works with Howard Stark, and they seem to have a good relationship. And Howard's Iron Man. Uh, you know, we've got uh, the Hulk, Bruce Banner, except that this version of the Hulk is like a totally zen guy. Um, he's super powerful still, but yeah. And of course... Jonathan Hickman. You can't have a Jonathan Hickman book without a capital C city. That is the Hickman special. Mm, mm, mm -hmm. He loves it. Or a guy in a black suit and helmet. Right. But this issue actually lost me. Boring? Yeah. I didn't care about the big fight. I was more confused by seeing all those, like, multiple versions of the heroes that we know. Yeah. Um, I was confused by that. And it's explained, you know, that uh, that these are like future clones or whatever. But um, big deal. I'm 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 interested in the world building and I'm interested in. How are the heroes going to deal with this? 
But when you yeah. put multiple versions of the same character on a screen, I lose interest fast. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's all this is is world building. It's more world building. You know, it's not necessarily the world we'll probably end up in. Yeah. But that's that's uh, that's what it feels like all this is. It's it's more set up, you know. This is only issue two. Mm-hmm. Um. So I don't know. I didn't particularly feel one way or the other. I didn't, uh, you know. I said I said boring. I guess I didn't particularly find it boring, but I didn't find it enthralling either. You know. Mm. Right, and and C W Gordon uh, says very boring for a four issue series, and. It's hard to argue with that. I mean, if you're yeah. going to give me something that's oversized, like, you know, <laughs> not Hellfire Gala length, but longer than this, okay, sure. Inferno was four issues, and that was great. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, this is still a lot of setup, and we're literally halfway through the series. Like, if you put that in context, that sounds crazy. I have to imagine he's going to have more of a hand in what comes after to sort of you know, build more to this, you know? Yeah. I, I hope uh, so. Dan says, uh, uh, Hickman's doing world building. Which, you know, he's very good at. But even in this issue, I thought that the dialogue wasn't as crisp as I'm used to. From him, it didn't have that same bite or spice or intrigue that it normally carries. And I think that that's uh, emblematic of how I feel about this issue overall. It's just not that cool. Like, nothing has happened yet. The first issue was hot because it's like, okay, we know what's going to happen. How do we get there? And seeing the maker with Reed, seeing the maker with Black Panther, seeing the maker with Miles, it really built up these moments between characters we know and love and care about, and Hickman is great when he's in the pocket of situations like that. Yeah. But... In this issue, there is no heat. There's nobody we know. Right. The only character we know is uh, the maker. And so, you know, the only real character moments we get are basically the is that moment uh, where Howard flies in in the Iron Man suit. Mm-hmm. And it's a straight ripoff of uh, what happens in the Ultimates. Yeah. Um. Which you know is fine. Obviously, he's doing something there. But my point, my point there is that we don't know these people. We don't. We have no idea how they would interact. Yeah. And and maybe that's shorthand, you know, so that he can get through this stuff. But also, for whatever reason, there's a a full page dedicated to. Oh, okay, it's not a full page. A, a solid half a page dedicated to the maker's head being completely blown off i thought that was cool as shit it was yeah but he's clearly you know a few french fries short of a happy meal like you know so he's he's not working with all his faculties either so we don't even necessarily know what his character is right now either right i don't disagree um it's just hard to get invested into these people. We I, like these are not going to be the people that 
um, we're living with down the line. You know, what, whatever is coming after Ultimate Invasion, it's not going to look like this. So yeah. um, I'm just kind of finding myself a little bit frustrated. And I wasn't much happier with the Brian Hitch art. I have, yeah, I have some uh, comparisons to make between our two Brian Hitch books. Well, first of all, can I point out our celebrity cameo? Uh, uh, I've got Brad Pitt right here. Howard Stark in the top panel there. You are recognized. Yeah, very odd. Oh, did you catch uh, iCarly in um, in X-Men Hellfire? I don't even know who iCarly is. From Nickelodeon? Like I know, I know the the show exists, but I don't know yeah. who that is. I don't know. I don't know that is that like who is that person really? Okay, never mind. Genuinely, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know her name offhand. Do okay. I? Okay. No, right now I don't. I probably did at one point. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think she was in it. Mm. Okay. Uh. Yeah, so you you had some 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 things to say about the Brian Hitch art. Why don't you tee off the inking uh, between this and uh, Superman: The Last Days of Lex Luthor uh, makes a world of difference. Uh, this this does admittedly look like normal Brian Hitch. I think it's um Al, uh, 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 Alex Sinclair, um, and so it looks like you know, back in the day, the Ultimates. But the Kevin Nolan inks on Superman, mm. it may, you know, it may be because Kevin Nolan already has, like, a very particular style mm -hmm. that really adds on to Brian Hitch. But it felt way cleaner and way, uh, way... Uh, almost less photo reference on the part of Brian Hitch. Yeah. And, and you know, I don't know if he does a, a photo reference or not, but that's, you know, sometimes that's the way it feels like, you know, like you just say, he looked like Brad Pitt in that one panel. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I definitely agree. Uh, well, I, to be honest, I wasn't a big fan of the art in the Superman book either. Um, this style just doesn't really mesh well with my sensibilities right now. To me, these characters' uh, bodies, and we're going to see that in Superman as well, they just look odd. Uh, their, propor their proportions are weird to me. I can't really connect to this style. Um, I think Top Lane said it in the chat. It feels like there's no movement, and I completely agree with that. Mm, and it's a problem yeah, a in Superman as well. A couple of people have said there are uh, background problems. Yeah. Um, like, these characters don't look like they're in motion to me. They just don't. Yeah. And that's a problem. Um, there's just no excitement to it. And with a script like this, you can't have the art also not be exciting. Yeah. In 2023, right? Like, you know, 2005 Ultimates or whatever. Mm -hmm. Fine. Mm -hmm. But listen... We're millennials. We're hit now. You gotta put mo. You gotta put motion in that. Yeah. Uh, I say, pull. Um, it's not a great comic in my opinion, but Hickman is still Hickman. Hitch is still mm. Hitch, and I'm still very intrigued to see where this is gonna go 
even if this issue didn't deliver the kind of excitement um, and uh, snappy, crisp dialogue that I'm used to from Hickman, that has me on the edge of my seat every time. This isn't that, but it's still all right. Yeah, I say pull, but if you decide to skip it, you didn't miss anything. I think that's fair. You know, if you if you p- pick it up alongside three or whatever, you didn't miss anything. Yeah. So we've got we've got quite a few people here in the chat. Let's get those likes up. I know now we're not we're not doing a draft, but I think we can get that likes number up and get us prepared for having to do this again on Saturday. I think we can do better than than where we're at right now. So let's get those likes jumped up. Thank you very much. Is there something you and I could do? Uh, a little game hmm. of some kind, a little, uh, you know, a little exercise of some kind. That's an interesting concept. Um, what do you, you got? You got something churning in the brain? No, there? not at all. No. Um, not at all. <laughs> well, it, it, hey, if a, if a listener has a good idea for something that Kale and I can do for fun, uh, if we reach a particular goal, then we could do that. So if anybody's got ideas, shoot them our way. As we uh, roll right in to talking about Amazing Spider-Man number 30. Speaking of Spider-Man, Dan wants us to fight. So I suppose we could just, you know, we'll probably do that. If you if you can figure out how to digitally fight, then we can scrap. But mm-hmm. I don't know how to do that. I haven't mastered that. Um, I think that Zeb Wells has mastered writing Dr. Octopus. I'll tell you that much. This is my pick of the week. It's not even close. You guys know the drill by now. Zeb Wells, Ed McGinnis. Two people that I am just really happy with right now. Mark Farmer, Cliff Rathburn, and McGinnis on inks. Marcio Menez on colors. And Joe Caramagna on the letters once again. If this ain't the most fun comic book, if this isn't the most exciting comic book, if this don't feel like Spider-Man, then I don't know what does. Come on. Yeah, I'll give you that. Uh, Yeah, it's I mean, listen, I can't. I cannot deny that this feels like a Spider-Man book. It feels uh, it feels, I, I'm going to say this, but I don't mean it the way it sounds. It feels like bog standard Spider-Man. Mm. You know, you want a Spider-Man comic, you're going to go to the store and pick this up. You're not going to be disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, I know there are haters. I know they're in the chat. I know people don't like this book. I know some people think, I'm on crazy pills. You don't know if that's true or not. But what I know. But I do. (laughs) Is that this comic book is hot. So last issue, we had Peter Parker put on the the octopus arms. He's finally uh, connected with them, just like Doc Ock does, in order to go ahead and find where Doc Ock is located and save Norman from Doc Ock injecting him with the goblin serum. Because they don't want to deal with that goblin. Norman has that goblin in him. And we know what happens when it gets out. So. Doc Ock. 
you know, he he's got Norman by the the uh, the short hairs, and we don't know what's going to happen when that when that serum is injected. And there's this great moment where we see Norman laughing like a maniac, like like you know, like uh, the Green Goblin, and we think, oh, here we go, back to the BS. But no, he really is cured. The sin eater really did eat his sins. He's cleansed. I'm into that. I'm not. I don't buy it for a second. You think he's lying? Uh, yeah. Really? I think he's got more control or something. Hmm. Okay. All right. Look, I get it. I wouldn't trust Norman. If I was Peter Parker... I would not trust Norman Osborn. My man would be in jail. He'd be wearing the, the the way his waves look, the orange and black. He'd be in orange and black stripes in prison. But, you know, Peter Parker, more trusting dude than me. And so he, he, he goes to save Norman and they get in this great battle. But what's so funny about this is that the Norman, or rather the Doc Ock aspect that exists within the octopus arms is kind of like uh and and i guess the 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 doc Ock aspect that exists within peter still the remnants sort of come out when he connects with the octopus arms and so it's almost like doc Ock versus doc Ock. yeah i guess i hadn't considered that he might have doc Ock remnants from superior i think it's interesting yeah and I thought it was played off of pretty well. Yeah. Um, I I actually, like, I really thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> and actually <laughs> very, uh, the kind of thing that would, would and should happen to Spider-Man. Yeah, absolutely. He, he, he's just the kind of, the kind of guy that goes, well, I got to try this. Hope it doesn't kill me. Yep. Oh, thank God. I only spoke like Doc Ock this time. <laughs> <laughs> well, you say that. He actually, he actually almost killed Doc Ock. Yeah. And, it, and it's Norman Osborn, of all people, that pulls him back from the brink and prevents him from doing that, which I really liked. Mm-hmm. I started this arc. I, I started this run saying, ain't no damn way you trust Norman. Get, get him out of the equation. He doesn't belong here. And you were right. And I probably was right. But with that being said, I'm kind of enjoying the dynamic now. Yeah, I get that. I feel like it's something wildly different. Yeah. Oh, the double dolt. The double dolt panel was just phenomenal. Let me yeah, let me let good. me get that. Yeah. They have this this verbal battle that results in them both calling each other dolts. Uh this double page splash. You just you gotta give it up for Ed McGinnis. Can we give him his flowers right now? Can we do that yeah. now? Just thinking as you held that up, I was just thinking, man, imagine owning that art. Oh my goodness, yeah. And I'm sure that would go for a pretty penny. Yep. Yep. Ed 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 is leaving the book, I think. I think next issue uh we see um yeah. him going away with the end of this arc. And it's been such a joy, such a pleasure to get McGinnis on Spider-Man again. I wish that this could be the main team. I wish he was the main artist. All respect to Ramita. I love Ramita. 
But boy, this is just special stuff that Ed McGinnis is still doing. Yeah, and has gotten better at. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. My man deserves his flowers now while he's still here. Not that he's, I don't even know how old he is. I'm just saying, you know, he deserves it. He's not that old. Yeah. I, I, yeah. The thing that really, really killed the, the momentum and everything on, uh, for me on this was the, the Peter Norman moment at the end of the book where they both have to have a talk about Kamala. (sighs) She really was a friend, you know? I like what Norman had to say about her. Um, he, he he gives a little speech about how, you know, she was such a joy to be around and, um, you know, she was she was a, a, a good person. He, gives, he says this. He says, I can't stop thinking about things she did. One time I had coffee brought to the lab, and when she handed me mine, she said, large coffee, extra serum. It was a terrible joke, and she was instantly embarrassed. But after that... Every time I ordered a coffee, I would ask for extra serum, and we would both smile. I know she was there to catch me in some nefarious plot, but I liked her, and I think she liked me. I, I, I appreciate that. Now, of course, moments like that are completely soured by the fact that if you literally read Hellfire Gal, that she's there already. And I think yep. that's why Zeb yeah. Wells didn't bother giving more time to Kamala having died. And quite frankly, if you look at his comments from San Diego Comic-Con, I don't know how anybody else interpreted them. I interpreted them as him saying, that was just something I had to do. That was something yeah. I was told to do, and it is, it's part of the job, and that's it. I also think it it is very... It is, it is very Spider-Man to have to go do something before he can process an emotion. You know, my man had to go beat up Doc Ock, get beat up by Doc Ock, beat up Doc Ock, and then almost become Doc Ock again before he could go. Oh man, that sucks. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. I love it. I love it. I'm having so much fun. Yeah. Um, Top Lane says, Will Kamala reveal herself to Peter after leaving Krakoa? Awkward. She's probably not gonna leave Krakoa. Right, she's on I some guess secret she has. mission. Yeah, she's on some secret mission for the X Men now, and that's what the new uh, mini is gonna. Or I don't know if it's a mini or not, but the new Miss Marvel series will be about that. Um. Now, I want to say this. I thought long and hard about what I'm about to say. Ultimately, I will leave it up to the audience. But. I think maybe we'll put Amazing Spider-Man to the side for a little bit. Not because I want to, Mm. but because we have reviewed a lot of these issues, and maybe you guys don't want to hear me continue to sing the praises of how good I think this book is. So I'll leave it up to you guys. Do you want to hear us keep reviewing Amazing Spider-Man, or would you like us to move on? Let us know in the comments. I'd also point out we have a Spider-Man event coming up. Um, gang war or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the next um, the next arc sees the return of Tombstone, mm-hmm. and I can imagine that that's going to tie into the gang war. Yeah. So yeah, that's a good point. But, so maybe you know, maybe maybe 
minimum skip next issue and then go into gang war if that's what the audience wants us to do. Yeah. Y'all tell us. Let us know. If you're into it, we'll keep doing it. If you're not, we'll give it a rest. I wish I could get a rest from this era of the Avengers. Jed McKay with art by CF Villa. Colors by Federico Blee and letters by Corey Pettit. I just can't. This book is three issues deep and literally nothing has happened. Uh, in fact, the same thing has happened twice. Go in on. In this issue. So in this issue, we get the introduction of these new villains from the Impossible City or whatever. So we get their introduction and we're led to believe how scary they are and oh my god there's one with a noose around his neck whoa and uh, he brings people from the dead and so they all go to their separate cities and they all do their different scary stuff and then the Avengers come great and then we have to go see the first words that they say to these new scary villains and we have to get introduced to them again. What? What are we doing? I can't believe, I cannot believe that this is the new era of Avengers. Kale's 150% right. This, this issue is all introduction. It's uh, it's insane. Jed it's, McKay, the, it's the same introduction. <laughs> Jed McKay, he, he put in a he put in a day's work by saying, "Okay, let's introduce all these villains, and then you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna introduce them again. But this time, not only is it gonna be the villain, it's gonna be the hero that that the villain is the analog for, because all the villains correspond to one of the heroes. Revolutionary idea." It's so revolutionary, we're going to spend an entire issue and $5 of your money on it. $4, excuse me. I, I can't. And then with this, with this dialogue, the, the Black Panther, Captain Marvel relationship is just beyond me. It is beyond me. Black Panther comes across so bad where it's like he's undermining Captain Marvel. He's completely right. He's but he's undermining her. And then she doesn't give a damn what he has to say. And then in a moment that literally made me drop my jaw that this is what that this is what's going on in this comic book. In a moment that I found to be <laughs> just just absolutely mind-blowing. Black Panther says to Captain Marvel, "Okay, Call the play. Now, what that means is deliver the strategy. What are we going to do? Captain Marvel says, okay, I've got your targets. Hit them hard. Put them down fast. And above all, save lives. Avengers assemble. Not, uh, I, not really much for strategy, is she? I could have called that play. <laughs> Anyone in the field could have called that play. That's the play? That, that's a play? That's a play? That, that's not a play that Bill Belichick would come up with. 
That's not that's not a play. Are you kidding me? What is this comic book? We've got five bogeys plus their orbital clubhouse. What? I guess that's pilot talk. I don't know. I'm blown away. Yeah, what is that talk? What is that diet like? And then and then to your point, every time we see these these villains, then we have to get some kind of, you know, attempt at a, a slick dialogue related to the the you know this conversation. So uh Thor meets, you know, the the god the, the the pretending god villain. And he says uh the villain says, Give me your worship, little creature, little supplicant. And Thor says, So is it to be blessings, creature, or threats? In either case, I say thee nay. Alright. Okay, sure. It just doesn't feel it's go ahead. Well, then the next moment, Iron Man is f- about to fight a uh, a, a city uh guy. A city guy. <laughs> city boy. <laughs> and the city boy says, "A critic, show yourself." And Iron Man says, "Everyone's a critic in New York." <laughs> and by the way, you know, Iron Man fighting the city constructor or whatever, because Iron Man's a builder, and so is this person. So of course they would fight each other. Wouldn't it be what, more what interesting? A fucking stretch. But that, right, but that's the gimmick. It's ridiculous. Vision fights the only android on their team or the only, like, non-biological creature on their team. Like, come yeah, on. It'd be more interesting if you mixed it up. Uh, Mike, Mike in the chat. Hey, Mike, how you doing? It's good to see you here. He says, I haven't even received my first pull in the mail. And listening to this, I already want to take Avengers off of it for next time. Look. Maybe you'll get more out of it than we are. And I've been harsh on this book. But I just can't get into it. You can't... Look, I have a particular philosophy when it comes to big to team books like this. The, the big flagship books because of New Avengers. New Avengers starts off extremely hot by Brian Bendis. That was the first team book I ever read. Yep. My standard is high. You don't start a team book with three issues of nothing. Hmm. Nothing. And it's so wild because his his Moon Knight supposedly is like top tier. And then what we read of his uh, Doctor Strange was tremendous. Yeah. Yeah. So like where – what's happening? That's a – I'm glad you said that. It's worth pointing out that Jed McKay is not someone that either one of us are saying is untalented because he has great books. It's just not working out here. And Aaron Ruiz asks, is this McKay's first group book? I genuinely don't know the answer to that as far as like an ensemble team like this. Mm. But it's not hard for me to believe that that is the case because it feels like he doesn't have a proper grasp quite yet of what makes teams interesting. What is Mm. the team dynamic? Can you tell me, Kale? No. Please. I, I can't tell you. I have no idea. They're not a team yet. And they don't do anything together, which may be part of the problem. Right. You know, that like that may be part of his design. 
Right. You know, they all have relatively unique voices for each character, but they are all very one note, you know, the very, um, um, on the sleeve, you know, vision says, I am a, also a synthetic and I am also a parent and you offend me to the core of my being. Come on. Okay. So, you know, maybe his McKay's deal is, you know, they're spread too thin and they're going to have to come together. Um, but boy, I have to imagine he's working for the long haul with the well, pacing of this issue. Like, Well, when you look at what, when you go back to like the dialogue, right. Of, of captain Marvel, where she's asked to call the play and she, you know, musters up, they need to hit him hard and hit him fast. The rest of the whole issue is not neither hard nor fast. Yeah. Nothing hard or fast happened. Come on, man. And and by the way, wasting what I feel like is some pretty solid art on the part of CF Villa. Some of the faces don't do don't uh don't work for me. I think Captain Marvel looks a little um off at times. But I think there's some good work happening here. But it's all just people standing around and doing Ozy, a whole lot man. of nothing. Yeah. Yeah, the villains look real scary. Yeah, yep. You know, they've got that... Um, who are the the guys that followed Thanos around? Oh, the Black Order. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's got that vibe. Which is cool. It's good, you know, good gimmick. Isn't it so funny, by the way, that people who've only watched the MCU think that they're called the children of Thanos? Because that's what they were called in the movies. Oh, yeah, I suppose, huh? Yeah, it's so odd. I Um, guess that's funny. Yeah. Like, but, like, look at this. Look at this. This is the worshiper of the the evil people in this book. Pretty cool. Like, uh, interesting design. Creepy. Like, really disgusting face, you know? I'd like to see that interaction. I'd like to see Thor clash with that, if that's what we're going to do. But, like, let's let's get into it. You know, let's, let's duke it out. Let's not talk about it. It's a comic book. Yeah. Hit him hard and fast. No one listens to Captain Marvel, apparently. Okay, so do it. <laughs> well, she doesn't hit anybody either. <laughs> right, right. She just shows up. She pops up and says, oh, well, you've met the Avengers now. All right, well, they've been busy killing, presumably, thousands of people. Can you punch someone, please? And also, the whole t- the team is, both teams, good and bad, are spread all over the world. Right. Nobody's met anybody. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. Oh, man. Um, Top Lane says, but Sean, it's the same cast as the movies. That's why. Yeah. The movies is coming out in 10 years. Hey, I, like, whatever. I don't care who the cast is. Right? Like, let's see what's their dynamic. Why, like, it, okay, so let's say Jed McKay was told these are the characters you have to play with. All right. Well, what's interesting about 
Vision's relationship with Thor. What's interesting about Tony's relationship with Sam? Mix it up. Do something compelling. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what I come to these books for. I think about Uncanny Avengers Hmm. by Rick Remender. And those books, every comic, every issue was dripping with um, great dialogue because he said, all right, what's the most interesting thing about the relationship between this character that doesn't have anything to do with this character? Why might they clash? What's the tension with them? Get into it. Uh, pass. I think I think that I probably will not continue to follow this after this arc. And I did the same thing with Jason Aaron. I cannot afford uh, to give that much more rope to this. It's just not coming together. Yeah, uh, it's too too slow for my for my taste. Yeah, for the flagship, you know, blockbuster book like. Yeah. Come on. I, I completely agree. Uh, Dan says, at my next team meeting, I'm going to yell, hit him hard and fast, and then walk out. Apparently, that's the way you get it done. That's yeah. the Captain Marvel school of leadership. Yep. Just like the government. Iron Man, Sam Wilson, Steve Rogers, no good. No. Can't lead. They're cops. Captain Marvel, non-cop. Hit him hard, hit him fast. By the way, I want to make this super clear, just to, just because. I love Captain Marvel. This is not this is not like a I'm not on a crusade against her specifically. This is only related to the Jed McKay writing of Captain Marvel, not my overall feelings on Captain Marvel. Big Captain Marvel fans. Yeah, absolutely. Love Brie Larson. Yeah, sure. Oh, there is a crusade. No, 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 no. Tune in for the Marvel's review. No, 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 no. No. Tune in for our review of Night Terrors, which is right now. Night Terrors number two. And I'm going to show off this cover again because there may be people live who didn't see this the first time around. So there you go. Very cool cover. Um, Does it it feel different or is it just a normal normal cover? uh, uh, It's cardstock not textured at all yeah no no oh. i wish that'd be super cool yeah you'd have paid a mint for that oh boy well uh, this was six bucks so um <laughs> i hope you get a loan from bean for all this shit <laughs> yeah very wealthy individual that bean um joshua williamson giuseppe Camoncoli, stefano nessie casper wingard on art so another book with several different artists. Frank Martin and Wingard on colors and Troy Pateri Ooh, on well, letters. I did not even uh did not even notice different artists, I don't think. Yeah, this uh, I don't think it was the, I don't think it was too um I don't think it was too like disturbing too the transitions. Yeah. Yeah. Night Terrors is a book that is all about the heroes in DC being put to sleep, an endless sleep, an endless nightmare by a villain named Insomnia. And I fear that Insomnia, well, I should rephrase. I have feared Insomnia my entire life. Whenever I go to bed at night, 
I'm worried that I won't be able to get to sleep. And so what I found, what I did last night, was I picked up Night Terrors. And I read it. And all of a sudden, my insomnia right was cured. Right to sleep. Well, Couldn't believe it. The Sandman's alive again. So. Yeah. Remarkable effect. Yeah. This book's not for me. It's not. So Nate. this is issue three, technically? Uh, Sure. Yeah. If you no, count it's number first, two. Yeah. If but, you count first blood as the zero issue, yeah. This That's is a month, a month of this, huh? <laughs> is it one month or two? I think it's two. I think it's July oh, it's, and August. It's two months of this, huh? Yeah. Okay. This is the Dead Man Sandman show. But Dead Man looks like Batman. And Sandman's been dead. So. Okay. We get some backstory for Insomnia here. Uh, I truthfully found myself unable to muster up care about this character. Um, you know, he's been he's being kept at he's being kept asleep. You know, he's some kind of uh, an old man, um, or maybe that was his nightmare. I don't know. I'm not. I. This book is tough. This book is tough. Nothing's happening. No one I care about is here. The best part of this comic was the Sandman dialogue up front. Yeah. I thought. The, yeah, the Sandman uh, sort of uh, uh, backstory for the Nightmare Cult or whatever. That yeah. was cool. Yeah. I like that. And, Kale, I'll tell you this. Sandman? Pretty cool. Dog, I'm telling you, if you'll give Mystery Theater a chance, <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> I'm telling you. It's it, like it's like it's like horror brew baker. You just give it a chance. I can't because when you look look at this page, right? So look at this page. Look at all that beautiful artwork, right? And look at the sparse but crisp dialogue. Yeah. Then when you open that comic you're talking about, you can't even see that. the beautiful art <laughs> it because it's that. it's only dialogue. I can't get with that. And I listen. I can't deny that. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know. I know there are people that are really enjoying Night Terrors right now. And I, I feel bad to come on here and criticize it every week. But I truthfully don't get it. I just don't. Maybe it's for, maybe it's for a reader with a deeper DC um, love and history than me. Because when you I see Dead Man and Sandman, I go to sleep. But there's just nothing happening that's, like, making me care. This is an event. Like, truth be told, to who does this feel like an event? Like, let's really be honest. Does this feel like an event comic? No. No, it's it's almost an anti-event. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like an event to me. DC's hanging their summer on this. Yeah. And another thing is, it's summer. You're doing a horror event in the summer? Yes. People are coming back from the dead, and you're doing nightmares at a time that's not Halloween? What? Well, Kale, they already blew off Lazarus Planet during that time frame. So, you know, there's just no... 
We'd have to wait till next October, and then what would be the event for now? That's the DC Comics logic. Literally anything else. I like yeah, this. Yeah, I... Go ahead. Please. I was just going to say, I like this comment from Roboters100. Hey, if something does not work for you, no shame in it. Tell tell it like it is. And that's what we come here to do. You know, um, I don't I don't take any pleasure most of the time out of coming here and saying bad things about these books because I respect the fact that these creators work really hard. And by the way, all these creators are super talented. Joshua Williamson, I think he's great. Kamon Coley, one of my favorite artists. Wingard, I think he's fantastic. But I just can't get with this. It feels half-baked. Well, it just, it's not, it's not an event. Yeah. Like, the only reason it feels like an event is because of the millions of tie-ins, you know? It it, it makes me think of um, Spider Island. Uh, back in the day, Marvel wanted Dan Slott to do Superior as soon as he pitched it. And he was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm not in a place for that at all. Let me try something else. Let me whip something together. And give me a little more time. So he put together Spider Island. And that was like one of the the bridge, uh, you know, the bridges to Superior. Um, This, you know, this feels... It, it, so my point there is it feels like a forced event. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It feels very forced. Um, I, I don't I don't know why this exists, to be honest. And, and the, the, the new thing for the big two, due to complaints on the part of people that allegedly read comics, has been we don't want events that force you to read books you don't want to read. And so what happens is they don't do build-up because the build-up would happen in, you know, like, for example, uh, when you go back to, like, let's say, um, let's say Secret Invasion, right? If you weren't reading New Avengers and if you weren't reading uh, Mighty Avengers or whatever else, that was where the things that led to that event were unfolding. And so when you would come to Secret Invasion you wouldn't know all the backstory because it happened over months that you may not have been reading because you don't like Brian Michael Bendis. That kind of event-style storytelling is gone. And the problem with that is that you get events like this that feel like they needed, in my opinion, way more build-up to establish why we're doing this. This still feels like build-up. Issue 2 is build-up. This event ends next month. <laughs> this is build up guys but there's there's so much to it right you know that like i don't know this this feels like what you were just describing for an event because everything has stopped right you know so if you're enjoying something then you know uh you better hold up because you're gonna have to come back in september or october if you're lucky, you'll get a Halloween issue mm-hmm. after this horror event. Like, it's just... I don't know, man. I'm enjoying it, but it's... Not to any... 
real degree, you know? Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. I mean, every hero we care about is sleeping in this comic book. Um, so, like for me, the Sandman's here, but he's dead. Right. So, like the 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 thrill about that is gone. <laughs> like I, like the second he, you know, went to the the grave and and pulled Sandman out uh, last issue, I was like, all right. That's my excitement done. Like, Top Lane says Blackest Night was similar and it was done masterfully. Well, my recollection is that Blackest Night had some buildup in the Green Lantern book. Definitely. Um, and so I, at the time, was reading Green Lantern. I hadn't read everything, but I started whenever it was that I started. And I felt like, okay, wow, this is super cool. Like, this is connected. But even if you weren't reading that, when you open the Blackest Night book, you can tell that Jeff Johns has a mastery of the relationships that he's exploring in that comic book. And a theme, which we talked about in the first interview that we did with him, that was ever-present. The theme was death and loss and how you cope with that and how, and how uh, death, deaths affect superheroes. What is the theme of this comic book? An event without a theme... It's nothing. It's nothing. It's just super. It's a reason for superheroes to punch. And nobody punches in this comic book. Yeah. Uh, to be fair, that's only issue two. Out of. Out of how many? Three. Right. <laughs> and Blackest Night issue one. Features, yeah. I believe, the conversation between Green Lantern and Flash that establishes what the entire event is about thematically. Yeah. 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 It's unfortunate. Um, I like it. Like, let's talk a little bit about the art because we haven't really touched on it. Sandman looks cool as hell. Hey, dog. <laughs> yeah, the the Sandman pages are great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is it common Coley on the stuff with Batman in it? So uh, my my belief is that the common Coley stuff is the stuff with uh, Sandman and Batman. And then the more dreamy sequences are that's the Wingard stuff, which oh, I, I think both artists are super great. There's also Stefano Nessie. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure where Nessie comes into play. Truth mm. be told. But I, I think the book looks good. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't miss a step art wise at all. Um, I really uh I really like the uh the last page turn. Mm. Um, you know, you get the, the spread of the, the sleepless nights or whatever, and then the fake out of Red Tornado. I think that uh I think that works really well. Yeah, but you know, I, I sort of, it's it's hard to talk about the art in a, a lot of these, especially event books, right? Because you know they're gonna get the all star team, so it's sometimes it can be hard to critique it, right? Because, uh, I mean, it looks good. Yeah, what can I say? Like, well, 
here's what I can say. The art looks good, but it, similar to my opinion about the story, uh, it doesn't feel like event level art. Yeah. It feels like, you know, the chat is saying this feels like a fill-in event. It's hard to disagree with that. This feels like Convergence or any of those events that DC likes to do where they, they wrap it in to two months. They get who they can get. Joshua Williamson ain't saying no to nothing. <laughs> and, you know, they and they put it out and they do their best. But, you know, without a, without a real strategy at play, Joshua Williamson has to resort to saying, okay, well, all the heroes are sleeping and this is what we're going to do. And uh, for me, I'm, I'm, I pass. The tie-ins are better. The Superman tie-in was good. I read that last week. The I heard Bat- a lot of people saying Action Comics was really good. Yeah. The Batman is top-notch. Yeah. The main event? Eh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm. It's a horror event. Dead man's the star that get that'll get me to the trade. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna read it to the trade, but I'll wait out the trade. Uh, you know, to see if it comes to anything interesting with characters that I, you know, am interested in. Um, but even still, like Dead Man's walking around in Batman's body, like he might as well not be there. Right. Like that's not interesting to me. I mean, it's literally only because Batman sells comics. Yeah. Absolutely. And it it's obvious. Right. Yeah, I completely agree. Um uh Dan says Williamson spending fourteen hours a day writing scripts. Hey, when DC pulls up the Brinks truck to you and says, Write this night terrorist crap, you go, Sure, no problem, DC. Why not? Sorry, honey, I'm gonna be late for dinner. Yeah. yeah. I would love to. I would love to write Night Terrors. Mm. I'm here talking about it. At least he wrote it. He don't have to read this. He wrote it. It's <laughs> over for him. His his Night Terror is gone. I'm still living in it. Let's well, uh. His Night Terror is the uh, the 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 X interactions. Oh, boy. Let's hit the last days of Lex Luthor. Superman, the last days of Lex Luthor, number one. This is a black label book by Mark Wade with pencils by Brian Hitch, inks by Kevin Nolan, and colors by David Barron, letters by Richard Starkings, and Tyler Smith. I was so not able one to... Thing... Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, here's one thing we could probably agree on. This is Smallville fan fiction. Felt like that, yeah, right? <laughs> like, yeah, like I, I, I've always liked the idea of Clark being more connected uh, to the broader world than he knows about. Like in, uh, uh, I want to. It's one of the uh, the Jeff Lowe Batman Superman books. Okay, it could be Public Enemy. It could be the next one. That's no, the only it one I be know. The next one. So, uh, there are these beautiful Tim Sale painted uh, parts where uh, Bruce and Clark actually met as kids because 
the tie one of the tires on the uh you know alfred's car blew in smallville mm. and so clark saw bruce and was like hey do you know how to play baseball and so they got to play baseball together it's little moments like that that just sort of make it feel like you know it's a whole world that even as sort of wild and coincidental as that is it feels lived in and and things sort of feel uh like fate um and i think dc's really good at stuff like that this plays on that same thing with clark and lex um and i think that lex being in smallville is weird yeah i liked it in smallville i think it works for the soap opera it's just weird it, it it didn't um it didn't feel right yeah felt awkward i like i don't hate it but i just like i don't quite understand what you get out of it i think what you get out of it is the ability to say that these two grew up together hmm. which is what made it that aspect of of this book feel forced. So I like the stuff that features Superman and Lex as adults, but the stuff with them yeah. as kids, I just couldn't take because Lex being in Smallville is just unacceptable. Like, I don't know if that, like uh, to be truthful, I don't know if that's canon. I watched Smallville and up until that point, that was my greatest source of knowledge for Superman because I didn't read Superman comics. So, I don't know if that's true, but like Kale said, I think it worked really well for the show, um, but it doesn't work in the context of this book, in my opinion, whereas, and, 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 and I think it actually doesn't help the main plot of the fact that Superman want, has to help Lex uh, save him from dying. It implies that to me that Superman is doing it because of a deeper history with Lex. But Superman would do it for anyone. So I think it's more interesting if he's doing it because he's Superman and he won't let any person die rather than the fact that deep down he cares about Lex because they grew up together and he knows that Lex is simply a misunderstood person that really does have the best interests of everybody in mind. Even though we just watched him nearly sink a city. I thought that didn't make any sense. That was hard to justify. Yeah, it's 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 weird that they go from you know, he wants to take apart a farmer's tractor and put solar panels on it to hey, I'm sick. I'm going to sink a city to get Superman's attention. Right. Like I'm not totally sure. I'm not totally sure how that leap happens. Yeah, it's it's hard to justify that in my mind. Like I, I'm reading that whole situation, and and it's like the the um, the uh, the narration says, "Oh, this is a machine of unknown origin." Meanwhile, it's green and purple. Yeah, right. Who else did that? You know, the Joker. Right. Oh, it's clearly Lex. 
Um, and why? To get Superman's attention? We already know, although to be fair, you know, this is a this is a black label book, but like if you look at uh, the Joshua Williamson stuff, I think it was de- debuted in, that Superman's tuned to hear Lex's voice. So all he had to do right. was say, hey, dude, uh, you got to come over here now. And Superman could show up. I feel like there's a better way to do that. That being said, uh, we see Superman trying to figure out how to save Lex's life. He's got some generative disease that's sure to kill him. Uh, He takes him to Kandor, Kandor, uh, which I liked. That was a good Mm -hmm. sequence. Uh, He takes him to the negative zone. Phantom zone. I'm sorry, phantom zone. (laughs) He takes him to the phantom zone. The bridge to the other universe. Right. And there we see the prisoners who, for some reason, are all look, they all look exactly the same. And they're led by Zod. Um, and the rules of the Phantom Zone make no sense to me whatsoever. It's immediately, we're show, immediately we're shown you're incorporeal in the Phantom Zone. But then they say, but if you have enough willpower, you can kind of manipulate that. Then we see that somehow they can grab each other. Lex gets pushed out. It's just it didn't make any sense to me. I I I I've seen the Phantom Zone before, uh, but I don't remember seeing anything like this. So I felt like that whole sequence was a little goofy. Um, but they couldn't obviously Lex couldn't stay there, so they needed to come up with a way to get him out, and that's what Mark Wade came up with. Um. Yeah. Yeah. There. There's a degree of. Lex having a strong enough will that I'll buy. I could see that. Um, you know, what what it's driven by, it doesn't have to be driven by anything, uh, you know, pure or whatever. He's not a Green Lantern, so, you know, he's just a very strong-willed person. Sure. But it's sort of... Uh, it doesn't... It doesn't do anything. Right. Yeah. It's irrelevant. I feel feel like we could spend more time here and get something out of it. Yeah. Oh, we've got a couple of of comments that I think are uh, interesting. C.W. Gordon says, couldn't they just use the kicking out power to force each other out of the Phantom Zone? Yeah, Yeah, why not? I had that thought, too. This is the worst jail of all time. Are you kidding me? It wouldn't hold anybody. So Zod can push him out, but he they, can't they will can't, himself out? Yeah, they can't Nobody, push him out. He can't will them to push him out? Right. Dan says, I really hate this idea. Does Superman do this for everyone, for people who run charities? This is taking his humanitarian streak to a stupid level. I see that logic as well. I don't have to save you as the classic Batman Begins. I'm not going to kill you, but I don't have to save you. You could make that argument. I don't I don't necessarily disagree with that. Are there not more people worthy than Lex to save their lives right now than to be busy with with uh with saving Lex? Superman's got other fish to fry. This dude is a threat to to life on Earth. And he's going to spend his time not saving other earthlings that are innocent to save someone that really probably should be dead. Mm-hmm. But He's a good guy because he wants to put solar panels on tractors for farmers. Don't forget that. 
Yeah, there's also it's sort of um there's also the the uh media blackmail of it all. Luthor uh as Superman agrees to to handle this and starts to give a condition or whatever. Luthor immediately uh uh puts the uh, a broadcast signal out to you know all the world's media outlets and so now they're all watching and he said oh yeah i actually just wanted i wanted them to see you tell me no okay and it, yeah it's a bit like well you knew he wasn't but also like i don't know if he says no then we see Superman denying to save a life. A life that literally no one on Earth would have said, you know, wow, Superman's such a jerk. Like, do people like Lex? Is he a good dude? Does he have a good track record? I mean, he was the president for a while. I, I can never keep track of whether people like him or not. And and quite frankly, as a, as a black label book, we don't even know what the status of all that is. Yeah. But... Who cares what he, like? Who cares the media involvement? Superman's gonna say yes, and that's gonna be that. Yeah. And yeah, so I feel, yeah, go ahead. I well, I feel like Lex is is sort of he's written and he's been written recently as so smart it comes off as kind of dumb. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I I don't disagree with that. Um, he was in the Justice League. I mean, was he in this in this book's continuity? So that was that was New Fifty Two, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh yeah, and this is Black Label, so who knows? Right. We don't even know, and that's that's Black Label books are supposed to remove those kinds of questions from the equation, but when they steep themselves so deeply into history like this if it does force those kind of things to come up what's the what is the status of lex luther's of the perception of lex luther in this version of earth we don't really know um you asked me to pull this image of superman aside and i assume it was to comment on his uh his physique is that so on his face yeah uh that's the uh the kevin nolan inks i was talking about mm. um kevin nolan's um when he when he does his own work, his characters often look a lot like that. Mm -hmm. um, and I felt like that was a great example of Nolan coming out uh, in the book against uh, Brian Hitch, who has such a unique style in the first place. Mm. Uh, whereas, just you know, it all it all looks really uh different you know it doesn't all look like everything else we've read from hitch recently yeah i can agree with that um i thought that there were some i thought that the having a different uh um anchor helps or yeah anchor right yeah, yeah. um having a di different anchor helps but boy were there some times when i just i just couldn't handle the uh the hitch 
work because there's a panel. Unfortunately, I don't have the physical, um, but there's a panel where Superman is speaking and he's just standing there and like there's just no effort to, you know, sort of make him look interesting. He says, he says, so Lex says to, to, to Clark, see, I've been broadcasting every line of, of, of this conversation to every corner of the earth. Uh, I couldn't resist seeing the look on your face when you heard the global reaction as you announced to the world that loves you that you're saving the life of the single most, of Earth's single most despised villain. So we got our answer right there as to what yep. Earth thinks about Lex. He's garbage. And Superman says, you venomous. Suppose I'd said no. And if you look at Superman on that panel, there's nothing that would indicate to me that he just called someone a venomous anything. He's just standing there. He looks like a dumb, big goof. I feel like you can express yourself or allow the character to express themselves a little more in that type of situation. Give it some, give it some life. <laughs> yeah, that, uh, that also actually is a, a, a Kevin Nolan ink look. His characters also kind of look like that too. Mm. <laughs> Especially Superman right there. Yeah, he has a he has such a he has a weird style that uh, either looks really textured and really blocky mm -hmm. to a certain degree, you know, like that first one I showed you, you know, very square jawed, very uh, uh, shady. Yeah, or his figures, especially at a certain distance, look a little uh, cretinous. I like that word. <laughs> you asked me to pull up another panel, too. I did? Yeah. What was it? Uh, it is... Oh, actually, that is not from this book. That's oh, yeah, that's, from, that's yeah. from The Ultimates. That's the one I was talking about that is straight from The Ultimates. Right, right. Um, so I say... I don't know, look. Mark Waid on Superman is something that I know he's been looking forward to for many years. It's something that I was excited about. I was really hyped for this book. First impression, first issue, I didn't get a lot out of this. I thought the present day stuff was all right. The Smallville stuff, I just couldn't accept. And this feels all over the place. It's a concept that I get. Superman is forced to save the life of his worst enemy because Superman cannot stand to know that anyone is going to die. I get it. But when you think about all of the suffering on Earth at any given moment, is it worth allowing all that to take place to save Lex? I'm thinking about it. You are thinking about it. The book isn't thinking about it. That's a problem for me. That's something that Superman should have to reckon with. That's something that people should be mad about. Not like us, but like people in that world. Especially since Lex has put it out there. Right. Exactly. People know it now. Yeah. That could come. That could come. Um, yeah. I feel like... I feel like this book probably will get to that Superman's battle against it 
um, because I think I think you're right. But I think for Superman, it you know, it was like you say, he was never gonna say no, right? And him saving absolutely everyone he possibly can. That's his job. Exactly. Perry Perry says, I don't know if we will ever have a good answer to the superhero trolley problem, but that doesn't mean we should stop asking. I think that's a great point. The trolley problem is when you have, you know, you, you have a, a, a trolley that's moving and you can either ch- turn the lever or it's, it's on the trajectory to kill people on the track and you can change the lever and it'll kill the people in the trolley or you can just let the people that are on the track die. Something of that nature. It's um, it's yeah. If it goes forward, you're gonna kill four people. Or if you change the track, it's gonna kill one person. Right. What's you know what's the better solution there? And I think uh, that is to me that is a compelling question when you're dealing with superheroics. Um, but I don't know that it is the obligation. And I'm not. This is not a criticism. Like the book should should answer this question. I don't know if it's Superman's responsibility to save Lex. If he thinks it is. I'd like to to hear him wrestle with that and talk about that. I'd like him to be forced into an awkward position as a result of that thought process. That's storytelling. The question and the answer of that should not be left out of the book. And like Kale said, this is the first issue, so it could be explored. I think it's interesting enough that the seed should be planted already. I think they were. I think him, you know, putting it out to the media and everything was him planting that seed. You know, I think maybe, I think it's not totally unreasonable for a Superman to go, uh, okay, let's, uh, fuck it. Let's go try Kandor. And then as he has to deal with Lex some more, you know, he has to sit there and realize, oh, no, actually, I hate this fucker. I don't have to do this. (laughs) Robotics 100. Superman is showing if you have the ability to save someone, you do no matter how good or evil. Or I can't read that. Vile or evil? Vile or evil, yeah, because there's a silly uh, thing stuck in my way. Anyway. Dumb emoji. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, is it true? Is that is that true? I guess it is to Superman. In, in, in Philip Kennedy Johnson's ongoing action comics, we just saw him save Metallo who is a traditionally a villain, but he does so and he has the hope that it will work out because he sees that Metallo um, has a kernel of good inside of him and he actually helps them in that battle and really he was a weapon rather than acting of his own agency, whereas Lex is of his own agency a piece of crap. So, I don't know. That I think it's an interesting moral dilemma and I hope the book continues to explore that. In any event, I will say pull for now. Uh, yeah, pull if you like Superman. I don't think I would personally pull this just because it's, I mean, it is, there's nothing here yet. Yeah. Agreed. For a Superman book, this is great. Well, I've got a question for you, Kale. Oh, the question is, yeah, absolutely. The question is what you've been doing. What you been reading? What you been watching? What you got going on? Ooh, so I have been uh, watching a ton of soap operas 
and I've been watching a ton of uh, murder mystery things. Uh, specifically, uh, I start an internship next week at uh, uh, the studio that puts out your grandma's favorite British detective show, Death in Paradise. Mm. Um, so I've been catching up on that, and I've just been having a great time. It's uh, it's a, about a British detective that uh, goes to um, an island in the Caribbean, and uh, yeah, somebody gets murdered every week. <laughs> nice. And that's it. <laughs> like you know, it's one of these sort of uh, Agatha Christie locked locked room mysteries. You know, I'm kind of trying to figure out like the formula. It's really fun. Having a great time. I love that. That sounds great. Um, that reminds me of a show I watched on HBO called White Lotus, where like the whole season is about someone, you know, someone's gonna die, and you're watching it to see who that's gonna be. It feels very soap opery in a similar way. Yeah, this is very, um, this is very episodic. Mm. You know, you just pick it up and watch somebody die and you get just a the littlest bit of character progression you know it's not uh not the story arced out you know it's not one full story the way uh white lotus is mm. well you also wanted to talk about shin mast writer shin common writer yeah shin mast writer is the uh the english name oh finally got to watch it um and if you're a Patreon subscriber, you already have my thoughts. Congratulations. Um, overall, this movie is incredible. It's a feat. 7 out of 10. Uh, you should watch it. It's not as good as Shin Ultraman. It's not as good as Shin Godzilla. Uh, but... As for trying to modernize common the original common writer from the seventies, it does a great job. Um, Hideki Anno is doing stuff with uh, character emotions and and what it means to be a human. Uh, that is untouched by basically anyone else. Uh, and the and he like not to continually dunk on Marvel movies, but the these Japanese superhero movies are genuinely like so much better. <laughs> like the action is better, it's cooler. Um, trying to think of the coolest thing I saw. There was so freaking much of it. <laughs> there's a there's a speedster fight. Um, right, so Common Rider is a cyborg. He's basically a uh, he's kidnapped, and then he's turned into a cyborg, and he escapes before he uh, can be turned evil. Well, there are other cyborgs that are out there, and one is a, a wasp cyborg, and uh, so they have this really incredible speed fight. Uh, where they like fight with swords and it's like they zip around and they've got like cool lights and you see like their trails and stuff and you see them like you know uh, swing their blades and parry and dodge and oh it's incredible hmm. it's incredible 
um highly rec- recommend it that sounds pretty cool uh i've never seen common rider uh no yeah you uh it's this one is on amazon uh but you have to really go out of your way to get it <laughs> on amazon no, in general. In general. Okay. In general. Uh because, you know, it's a it's a kid's show, ostensibly. Power Rangers. Yeah, more or less. You know, so like it has this adult fandom that grew up with it. Um, and you know, the, the stories do appeal to adults, but at the end of the day it's there to sell toys. So like why why would they really expand? Right. And that's changing, but slowly. Okay. Uh, but yeah, this uh, Shin Kamen Rider is on Amazon. Um, if you have Prime, uh, you have to look look it up under uh, Shin Mask Rider. Um, if you're curious, I, I think I think you should absolutely take a look. I won't be able to convince my girlfriend to watch it, but we'll see. Maybe I'll maybe I'll uh, give it a look. Aaron Ruiz says, is Hideki Anno trying to build something here or just an anniversary movie for new audiences? Um, I, I would say he's there a little bit of both. I don't think he's building a universe. You know, I don't think that's something I don't think that's something that's coming down the pipe. There were there were weird trailers with Kamen Rider, Ultraman, Godzilla, and Evangelion. Mm-hmm. And there was like this big Shin universe, but that ended up being a toy where you could like uh, make the Evangelion robots and Ultraman and Godzilla and Kamen Rider fuse into a big Zord type thing. And it was, it was weird. As far as I could tell, it's a one-time thing. Hmm. Um, This dude just loves this stuff. So do you. Yeah. Hey, if I could could be in his place, I absolutely would. Hell yeah. It's like uh, me with uh, Joshua Williamson. Uh, Speaking of Joshua Williamson, Joshua Williamson has got uh, Night Terror's Batman out next week. Batman number two. I'm pretty excited about this. This is one of the books that I wanted to highlight uh, for next week uh, in a little segment we like to call Pals Pulls. Now, I am not really enjoying Night Terrors very much. However, I believe that the tie-ins have been superior. And this, chief among them, I think Night Terrors Batman number one was fantastic. And the last issue teased going deeper into the kinds of nightmares that Bruce Wayne has. So I'm really excited to see what that looks like. And I'm hoping that Williamson can serve up something truly interesting because uh, the rest of the event isn't doing that for me. So I'm, I'm pretty excited for this. And then the Gilliam March art has been genuinely fantastic. So, Yeah, that first issue looked crazy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then the other book that I want to highlight is Sins of the Salton Sea by Ed Brisson and C.P. Smith. Number three of five drops next week. And I have been loving this. Uh, We didn't review the second issue because, unfortunately, it did not win the listener poll. Uh, This week, the listener poll was won by uh, Superman, Last Days of uh, Lex Luthor. 
Um, but Sins of the Salton Sea is great nonetheless. The end of the last issue teased a very, um, a very interesting twist that I did not see coming that uh, I really, really think will add intrigue. I don't know how they're going to get all this stuff into the five issues, but I have a high degree of trust in Ed Brisson because of how talented he is. So I can't wait to see where we go next. This is a great book, and you should be pulling it if you're not. It's a crime book, but the last issue teased it going in a different direction that is very exciting. Um, Zachary May asks, why are you not feeling night terror so far? So we kind of talked about it a little earlier, Zach, but I'll give you the rundown real fast. Uh, it doesn't feel like an event. It features characters that are not typically event level as the main stars, which is not necessarily a bad thing. But when you've got Dead Man and Sandman as your primary characters, you better have some really interesting stuff happening around them. And every character we know and love is sleeping. So even the villain is asleep. And it just doesn't really feel like it has forward momentum. It feels like a lot of buildup and startup to an event that is only two months long. The tie-ins have been a lot more interesting because they're allowed to do whatever they want. Whereas the Night Terrors event is the only thing that's actually happening. But they can't move it forward. So it feels like we're in a limbo state. Uh, and that's my issue with the event. If you guys are enjoying this show, if you've enjoyed what we've done, we would appreciate it if you headed on over to patreon.com slash thecomicspals. Give us a look over there. We've got a lot of stuff on offer. An exclusive show called Palling Around. You get to vote in the book club poll. We've got a summer event poll up right now. You get to choose between Secret Invasion, Siege, and DC's Invasion. So if that sounds compelling to you and you want to influence the next book club, then you would head on over to our Patreon page and uh, vote. You get lots of other stuff as well, including a nickname and a shout-out on the main show, which you can listen to every single Saturday at 10.15 a.m. Eastern. This show is live uh, Thursdays at 6 p.m. Eastern. So if you want to come hang out with us to uh, discuss the reviews and discuss the books that we're talking about, uh, you can do that every Thursday or catch us after the fact on YouTube or any podcast hosting platform which you enjoy. We are on those platforms if you want to listen to us without being able to see our lovely faces. That's going to do it for this episode of Pals Pulls. Thank you so much for joining us. For Kale, I'm Sean saying we love you. We thank you. Until next time, take care, guys. See you next week.